Good morning. Got a few things to clear up first. Just in case, my parents do watch online sometimes, so just to clear up if they did tune in later, this is not a birth announcement. It's not a birth announcement. <laughs> to make that very clear, not a birth announcement. Uh, so as you all know, Pastor Jesse is not here. I am filling in, so I'm doing my best. Plaid shirt. So, Pastor Jesse has sent me a transcript here of what to read. He did make me promise that I would read it word for word. Now, he realized as he was preparing what an exciting opportunity this was. Go, Bombers, go! <laughs> they are definitely going to win their third straight Grey Cup this November in Saskatchewan. <laughs> also, secretly, I've always been more of a John Deere guy. No, 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 I can't, I can't do it, I can't do it. In all seriousness though, we are gonna continue our journey through the I am statements of Jesus as found in the book of John. As we have been saying through this series, John wrote this book late in life. As the early church was forming, already a generation or two, he writes the book with a very specific purpose. In fact, in John 20, 31, he gives us a clear purpose statement of the whole book already. He says, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. He lays it out for us. The purpose of this book is to bring us into believing in Jesus Christ, and more than that, to draw us into a new life that we find in him. One of the key ways that John does this is by highlighting it several times throughout Jesus' ministry and teaching where he makes clear statements about himself. And these have, been come, have become the I am statements. There are seven statements throughout the book. We have already covered four of them. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. And I am the good shepherd. There are three left. And I'm cheating a little bit this Sunday and skipping ahead. I want to end in the story, end the story in John 11 with I am the resurrection and the life. So today we are moving into the upper room, into the last supper where Jesus makes two of these I am statements in his teaching to his disciples on his last night. Today, we will cover the first of the two, found in John 1.6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And these chapters, John 14 through 17, have brought deep, deep comfort to countless Christians over the last 2,000 years. When Pope John Paul II lay dying years ago, these are the chapters that he asked to be read to him. 
Millions of Christians throughout the centuries have done the same. When Jesus spoke these words in the upper room, he was a dying man and he knew it. Jesus knew that before the sun set again, he would be dead on a cross. And so he speaks here with the urgency of a dying man. He speaks as someone who is communicating the most important truths, the key promises, the things that his disciples must remember, must cling to, and must understand. It feels like he is trying to pack every moment of his final meeting with his disciples before his death with meaning and with purpose. And it is more than just the I am statements. These verses are packed full of promises. As we will see as we start walking through these six verses. But before we get that, a bit of a change of subject. Now keep in mind I'm reading the words of Pastor Jesse. So these are not my experiences. It's a little strange for me to be reading this as they are my own. But in reading them, it's interesting how many of the similar uh, correlations I can make between these. So hopefully you can as well. Through the years, I've had the opportunity to go on all sorts of vacations. When I was a kid, we would go to Clear Lake every summer for a couple of weeks. We did a road trip to the West Coast, a road trip to the East Coast. Later in life, I had the opportunity to go to Disney World and also went to Cancun. Now, we are planning to take our boys to Mexico this winter. Not my boys. Not my boys. And I love vacations. I love traveling, love the unique experiences that I had. A treasured memory for my family is the Alaskan cruise we took with my grandparents not long before they passed away. It was unbelievable. I did not think I would enjoy a cruise, but with the wildlife and the excursions and the glaciers and the icebergs, it was an amazing trip. But you know what the best night of the vacation is? No matter how fancy, how beautiful, how wonderful the vacation is, your first night back in your own bed. Getting home, walking through the door, dropping your luggage, taking a shower in your own shower, climbing into your own bed, that's the best night of sleep. It's worth leaving for a week just to come back for the quality of the first night back. It's amazing, don't you all agree? Because I definitely do. Here's my point though, which I think we can all relate to. No matter where you are, no matter how wonderful it is, how awesome the views, how beautiful the beaches, how incredible the food or how luxurious the room, after a certain amount of time, you start to want to be home. There is nothing, there is something in us that longs for home, for the place where we belong, the place that is ours, the place that is built for us or that we are built for. The place with people that we belong to. That is a deep and true feeling within us. And what is true is that we get into, the, as we get into this passage today, I think what we will see is that this call home, towards home in our hearts, this desire to be back where we belong, my desire to be back at 17 Maple Drive with my family, that is a shadow. It's a reflection of our true heart's desire to be truly home. To be back in communi communion and connection and relationship with God. To be where we truly belong. Because we have renovated and painted and switched out our lights and our flooring and bought new beds and a TV and new couches and new shingles, 
we are constantly updating and remodeling and reworking and perfecting as we live in our home, as this is true for all of us. Whenever we live, wherever we live, we are always working at it, improving it. And yet, it's not quite perfect. That squeaky floor spot on the floor, that one room that's always just a little bit colder, the one door that sticks, that chip in the cabinet, it's a shadow of the perfection that is to come. The home that we have always been meant for. Let's work our way through this passage with home in mind, starting in verse 1. A little bit of context. Jesus has just gotten through some difficult truths with his disciples. He predicts his betrayal. He speaks to his death and to Peter's denial. It's a difficult chapter, and the disciples are very unsettled. And Jesus opens with a beautiful statement of reassurance. His first, well, it's not a promise exactly, but it's a beautiful word to rest in. To hear Jesus say to his disciples and to us, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of trouble and doubt and confusion, Jesus simply says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now the disciples really miss the boat so often. And here again, here is Jesus speaking to them. Jesus who calmed the seas. Jesus who fed the crowd of thousands with a few loaves and fish. Jesus who brought Lazarus back from the dead. Jesus who has just spoken about his own upcoming death. Is standing before them and the disciples are making it about themselves. But what about us, they are asking. They're wrestling with doubt and confusion and uncertainty. But Jesus, in the moment, offers comfort and compassion, not rebuke. Do not let your hearts be troubled when we walk through doubt and uncertainty and difficulty and brokenness. Jesus says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus continues, trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would, not, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, and that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Do not let your heart be troubled because I'm preparing a place for you. You are going to be where I am. Do not be troubled because whatever happens here, in this place, in this life, whatever trials you experience, whatever ups and downs, you have a home, a home, a place where you belong that I, your creator, am building just for you. where all will be exactly as it should, where we'll be together. It's a beautiful promise. I remember hearing about this as a child, about Jesus praying for a place for us, and trying to imagine what would that be like. There was a weekend when I was maybe 11 or 12 years old where my family went to Chuck E. Cheese on a Saturday. And then after church on a Sunday, we went to the movies and then afterwards McDonald's. 
It is important to understand these were consecutive days. Chuck E. Cheese, a movie, at a theater, and McDonald's, all in the same weekend. I remember talking to my parents afterwards and saying, completely sincerely, that this must be what Jesus was talking about in those verses. There couldn't possibly be anything better than this. Whether or not Chuck E. Cheese is involved, there is this incredible statement, and it is one that we must cling on to, especially when I have the chance to connect with the seniors of our church. This reality becomes clearer and clearer, more true, more dear, and more real, as they consider that Jesus is there preparing a place just for them, that they will be where he is, that they will be there where they're meant to be, in the place where they belong with the people that they belong to. Thomas, though, is not having it. I love Thomas. He might be my favorite disciple. Every group really needs a Thomas, don't they? Someone who says it like it is, who cuts through the politeness and the correctness and just calls it the way he sees it. I remember sitting in a class sometimes and the professor or teacher would be going on and on about something that none of us had any idea what they were talking about. But there was usually one person in the class who was brave enough or confident enough to simply say, we don't know what this is. What are you talking about? And everyone else in the room would breathe a sigh of relief because we actually all had the same question. As Jesus says this, Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Actually, Jesus, we don't know where we are going. How could you possibly know? You're speaking in riddles. We don't know what you're talking about. If you could break down this statement down to its core to fit into our theme today, it might be this. Jesus, can you get us home? Can you take us to a place where our souls are at rest, where we belong? Jesus answers, and here we come to our I am statement. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So in the time we have left, let's take a look at these three statements. Jesus is the way. This is the gospel as we understand it, right? The core of what we believe. There is a chasm separating us from God. We were together in the garden, and through Adam and Eve's choice, sin and death entered the picture and have created this gap the separation that we cannot bridge. And our souls feel that separation, and there can be temptation within us to try and bridge that gap or fill it with worldly things like money or relationships or success. When Jesus says he is preparing a place for us, part of what he means is that he is preparing a way for us. Jesus is saying here, I am headed to the cross. I am going to defeat sin and death, and in doing so, I'm going to bridge the chasm. I can get you home. I am making the way for you to where you belong. Jesus is the truth. Now this whole series with the I am statements 
we have been talking about the difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. There, that we can intellectually understand something. We can know the facts about someone, but that is a very different thing than being in a relationship with them. When Jesus says he is the truth, he is saying none of this will make sense outside of a relationship with me. The world wants to tell you that sin isn't really sin, that good and bad are subjective, and that you can do it all on your own. But Jesus says, I am the truth. When I heard this preached growing up, it was talked about as an exclusive thing, a narrow way that only few would take. There is truth to that, but I think it is important to understand that Jesus isn't limiting who can take this way. He is not dividing and saying, you guys are eligible and you guys are not. It's not an exclusive way, like a club, that only some of us are allowed into. It is, however, a singular way. There is only one way in. There is only one standard for truth. Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and finally, Jesus is the life. Sometimes when we think about being saved, becoming a Christian, it is a choice that we make. And then there's a waiting game, right? Okay, I'm saved, I've made a choice, now nothing in our lives change. We just sort of wait until we make it into heaven. Try not to mess up too badly, to do anything that might disqualify us. But that's not actually what Jesus is after. It's not his purpose behind saving. To simply have us sit on our hands and wait until we get to the place he is preparing. When Jesus says, I am the life, he is talking about the new life, not just for the future, but here and now. When we enter into a relationship with Jesus, when we step past knowing about him and instead seek to know him, when we accept that he is the way and that in him perfect truth, then we also, here and now, in this moment, enter into new life. That is not to say that everything becomes perfect, that suddenly all that our problems go away, that our relationships are healed, that our character flaws are erased, just like our earthly homes are forever falling apart, needing new shingles and new windows, fresh paint, weekly cleaning, plunged toilets, and all the rest. Our lives here on earth are always going to be in a state of some disrepair. But thanks be to God, we can find a home here too. In a smaller way, but a true way. The Holy Spirit brings life to us. Life that we can use to glorify God and to show love to those around us. Amen.